one, not the Huey Lewis and the News one, but the Frankie Goes to Hollywood one. Someone just said, I love this song. It's the best you've ever played, Wallace, says Andrew. Isn't it? There's something about this, isn't there? Frankie Goes to Jolly Hollywood. Oh. It's just, I love this song. Do you like it? Do I'm you, feeling do, relaxed. Do you like uh, it? Yep. Yeah. Good memories flooding. Yeah. What memories are they, Dwayne? Oh, probably being 16 or 17. I love Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Opening up the pocket knife, cutting a piece of apple. <laughs> yeah, I think I was that cool back then. Yeah. It's beautiful, isn't it? I, mm-hmm. a, a little birdie tells me, Ruth. Is this a little um, myth or is it true? It's true. That um, the, one of the main singers of Frankie Goes to Hollywood lives on Waiheke. It's true, no. but don't tell everybody. Oh. But you oh. just did on oh, the wireless. Whoops. <laughs> That's cool. Well, I'm trying to sort of put it into current affairs. I wonder what he thinks about the new ferry situation. <laughs> I think he'll be a supporter of the new one. That's I'll ask him in the weekend. Well, if you've met the Frankie Goes to Hollywood guy on Waikiki Island, text me 2101. But anyway, what a beautiful we love song. We huh? Yeah, oh, Paul. Oh, you do know it. All right. <laughs> Uh, very good. Uh, the panel are international. We have Ruth Money and Dwayne Major. Now, Auckland Council has sold its massive seven-storey, 55-year-old earthquake-prone downtown car park building. It's been a long time coming. The redevelopment of the site has been planned since 2012 when the city centre master plan was created. There was opposition at an ill-tempered council meeting last night, and that's to put it mildly. Car users say, OK, where on earth are we going to park now? But our next guest is optimistic and looking forward, saying that this new replacement 
it'll be world class. With us is Patrick Reynolds. He's the Deputy Chairman of the City Centre Advisory Panel, whose role is to advise the council, including the governing body, on issues in the Auckland City Centre. Patrick, kia ora. Good to have you here. Kia ora, Wallace. Hey, first up, Patrick, have you been surprised by, let's just say, the passion involved in this issue? Um, a little bit, but we do seem to be getting uh, passion, shall we say, quite a bit when whenever there's a question of change. There seems to be a group, um, a cohort of the population that are now just um, angrily against any and all change. So... Yeah. yeah. Well, I tell you what, as on a personal note, uh, Patrick, I know this building very well. And when I go downtown to have dinner, uh, it's where, and my wonderful wife, we park, we, uh, we, 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 we plug in, and we know, the, know it well. And then I had a look at the new plans, and I must say, they do look pretty extraordinary, Patrick. In a nutshell, what's going in there? Well, it's uh, it's planned to be, um, I, I say this carefully, twin towers, two towers, um, taller than pretty much anything down there now. But the really exciting thing is the ground plane. It's a part of the consent conditions. The uh, developer has to deliver public spaces, 24-7 public spaces, um, laneways through the site to help connect the whole east-west waterfront into the sparkling Waitamata. Um, for for people and, and in a way that connects with what has been done uh, by Cooper and Co at Britomart and and recently Tikomititanga outside Britomart Station, we, we're starting to really get the results of this reinvention of Auckland now. Right. And this this is the next piece in the puddle. So, puzzle. Ruth, you've heard this. this is the next piece you've you've seen downtown looking sharper and sharper uh, by the year. But do you buy it? Look, the plans look fabulous. I use downtown car park all the time. I'd like to know where we are supposed to park. And that's what everyone's saying, Patrick. There's nowhere to park downtown. Enlighten us. Well, that's super super interesting that you say that, because sometimes I think when people say that, what they mean is there's nowhere free or there's no one nowhere directly outside the building I'm going to, because that that particular car parking building is never full. What? Uh, well, it's... I tell a lie. It is full one day of the year, every year, and that is the Santa Parade. And it's also free on that day, I might add. I don't so mean the that... rest of the time, it's it's between 45 to 65% full at its absolute peak. Oh, well, that's extraordinary. Well, I can never the... find a car park well... in there easily. <laughs> it's not half full. I need to go when you say, yeah, that, Patrick. That, that'll be the headline news, Patrick. It's half full. The, the great city well, downtown it... car park. I mean, Really? Cars are quite easy to count. I mean, this is data, right? Yes, that's fabulous. <laughs> but but no, I don't mean where where can I park for free or where can I park straight outside the shop I'm going to. It's I'm it's a genuine question. I'm sure it's part of the planning. Where is kind of some well, replacement parking? The, the, again, this is there is a lot of uh, data about this, and there's a lot of parking spaces that are always available in the city centre. So Auckland city centre does not have a parking problem. Uh, there's enormous quantities of parking spaces under the new convention centre, for example. There's um, Britomart built a new parking building. We know that there are more parking spaces in central Auckland than there are in central Sydney or, or central, central Melbourne. Wow. Um, and, then, and they're not full. 
Oh, I, so, I look forward to the educational campaign so that um, people that were well, parking there now you didn't know where know to that. Park. I didn't know that. No. As Patrick said, cars are easier to count. So this yes. is we're talking about st- hard hard fact here. Yeah. Dwayne. Well, here's a voice from the south, uh, left field, maybe one in the wilderness. But if you're going to talk about change and reinvention, I'd be far more inspired by, rather than car parks, some kind of amazing public transport and bikeways. I was in Auckland recently and used the bus from Browns Bay into town to the airport to the museum, lime scooter to the Kelly Tarletons. I yeah. think there's so much potential for some world-class public transport, and I believe that would be inspirational. I'd love to hear more about that because another car park, no matter how awesome it is, isn't that awesome if we're talking about change and reinvention. Pat? Fantastic. Exactly, exactly right. And this is all part of the process that uh, reshaping the city centre, especially around the city rail link, but not only the city rail link, also the busways, the new busway from the northwest, just starting up. Uh, and and um, I agree that the the space for scooting and cycling is rather slow to get happening, but um, public transport is absolutely at the heart of this. And remember that the scales uh, of this are enormous. Like mm. that that car parking building was it full? It would still only be two trains worth of people coming through the CRL. So four well, I must say a compliment to Auckland that it was better than the locals thought it was because they said, oh, you don't want to use the bus. I used the bus. I actually thought it was pretty good. So uh, I think it's not like you're starting from nowhere. I think it's a pretty good public transport Well, that's what system. Simon so Wilson said, actually. Yeah, he said it, plans for it. Yeah, interesting point, Wayne. He said it was a bit of a, bit of a myth that uh, it's all bad here in Auckland. Uh, so when, what's the, what's the ne- finally, uh, Patrick, what's the next step in this process? Well, I think there's, there's more design work to go on. I, I, uh, I read today that it won't be, demolition won't start till 2026, which is also after the CRL works are all complete so that we, you know, we don't have the whole city dug up at once. Uh, so there's, there's nothing's going to happen no. um, for a couple of years that visible, but a lot of, a lot of work behind the scenes. Okay. There you go. Ruth and I can still park there for the next three years. <laughs> we can find, uh, we can, well, at that time, we can find those other parks. And we'll both be counting the cars, won't we? We will. Be. Hey, Patrick, mm-hmm. kia ora. Thanks or, for your time. Well, you might be catching a bus, Wallace. Yes, and I am into that. Don't, don't you worry about that. The, I got train, my hop, the train is good. My hop car's with me. Don't worry. Yeah. Uh, Patrick Reynolds there. Sit there and cut your raffle up on the train. Be awesome. No, you can't take a pocket knife on the train. Oh. That would be silly. Someone, oh. Oh, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, this is gained a huge response. Uh, <laughs> People saying I'm outraged that this building is half full rubbish, but they count the cars, not you. Someone says, though, the downtown car park top floor is empty all the time. If you work next door to it, the roof park zilch. There you have it. See, we have to keep going up to the top, Wallace. Um, 15 to 5, the panel RNZ National. Here's a stat for you it's been 16 years since front seat. TVNZ's last dedicated arts show. It's a long time. I love. I used to love front wow, seat. That is a long yeah, time. Yeah, used to love it. A new research report called New Mirrors focuses on the new diminutive media coverage arts issues get. Yet only 13% of Aotearoa New Zealand's total media coverage focuses on arts and culture and only, get this, 3.25% on art forms outside film, music, TV. So, why is New Zealand's media struggling to support it when 96% of adults in this country have participated in arts and culture in the last three years? Well, it's a big focus for James Wenley, who's a lecturer at uh, the theatre programme at Herangawaka Victoria University. Kia ora, James. 
Are you there? Yes, I am. Can you hear me? Yeah, it's good to have you, James. So this is interesting, isn't it? And re- it really, I mean, that really struck me. That, that has been 16 years since front seat, which is a stark reminder of we are wonderfully well served and rightfully so with our sport, but gosh, underwhelmingly with arts. <laughs> yes, so there, there could be far more visibility and potential to tell all the amazing stories about arts and culture, and we're talking like really broad in terms of what we mean by that. Um, but we are missing the the roles and the spaces to be able to tell some of those stories really well in the media. How important do you think then is art journalism and critical analysis? Really, it's it's absolutely essential to have a functioning arts and culture like ecosystem, industry, community, um, and then that also has like way bigger benefits for. Um, the kind of public conversations that we can have, our so, uh, sense of togetherness, the pride that we feel about our arts and creative activities, and really kind of understanding that this is something that is essential to so many New Zealanders' lives, and yet we don't actually see that reflected in, in the general media coverage. Kia ora, James. Um, I'm really interested in this for a number of reasons, but I deal with justice journalists all day every day with my mahi Um, and I'm often surprised when someone starts doing the court round and they're kind of fresh out of broadcasting school uh, and don't quite understand for example name suppression rules etc. Is there what makes you an art journalist? Is there specific modules at broadcasting school? Mm. No, there there isn't there isn't a, a sort of uh, way in for training necessarily. Um, it takes people that have that, I guess, expertise or willingness to learn. But the the problem is that we have major media organisations that don't have arts journalists, don't have arts reporters, um, and that's you know we've got lots of sports reporters, but we we don't have the arts reporters. Yeah, so it's kind of catch twenty two, right? We don't have. The yeah. people coming through, but we also don't have the positions for them to perhaps aspire to get into. That's right, and we've we've lost a number of positions, and I think this has sort of happened without us actually being able to take stock. So what this research um, has enabled us to do, I did it with um, co-researcher Roosevelt Tan. We interviewed um, over fifty people across the arts yeah. and media sector to understand what are the pressure points. And actually, say, whoa. Um, this is the situation right now, and here's some ways we could actually make this stronger and better for people. Dwayne, is this something that you feel that um, you could do well? I mean, we do have some arts coverage, don't we, of course, including the wonderful Culture 101 mm. uh, on this uh, station here. But say, for example, mm. a, a, a show, a mainstream show like Back Chat or was it Kaleidoscope or Front Seat, Dwayne? I am sitting here feeling rather guilty and uncultured. I didn't notice that we were missing arts and culture journalism. That's right. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm a sports buff. However, recovering, my daughter is artistic and is trying to get into art school, fine arts school. So yeah. I am very interested in the whole topic of art and how it goes with AI and how we give attention to those things that reflect who we are. So I suppose I'm maturing in my old age, but I hadn't. 
I had it noticed and I feel terrible about it. I'm sorry. One, James, pointing to the solutions, uh, I understand we're going to be hearing more about this actually on Culture 101 with you and Rose about. One solution mm. is this, which is interesting. The Science Media Centre has been a quite a successful, I guess, hub and, uh, and forum where science stories are communicated out to the wider media. You are advocating for an arts media centre. That's right. So we want to be able to connect and bridge arts and the media sectors. And the science media centre, um, a lot of people in our research really pointed towards that. But that has been really crucial for the, the strength of science reporting in New Zealand media. And we think there's a real opportunity to create something different, something that's applicable for the um, arts sector and to kind of really hold this and advocate for it. All right. James, can I cut in? Yeah, Have go you ahead. thought about the social media and the part that it plays? I watched my daughter, she has this Instagram page, she posts her out there and people like it, and there's quite a lot of sort of stuff happening in that sort of social media space in terms of that sort of mainstream media, which we use again for the beach, but also it was, it was, it was complemented with the social media sort of platforms. How do you see that working out in the coming years? Yeah, there's real opportunity to, to innovate and, and to get arts stories uh, and reviews out in like different media forms. So I think there's real opportunity to actually sort of harness that. But that's where we see the strategic focus and a bit of resourcing to say, let's try, let's be able to take some risk and experiment. Um, but yeah, we want arts to be kind of everywhere for people and for it to be accessible. Yeah. Good on you, James. Kia ora. Nice to have Kia you on the program. Yeah. James Winley there, uh, a lecturer at uh, Victoria University. Why on earth uh, has the last dedicated arts show uh, been 16 years ago? Uh, and you just heard Dwayne referencing uh, that beach. Um, uh, he was one of the campaigners, the key campaigners, uh, as you will remember. It was a huge story at the time who helped raise millions I think it was 2.8, wasn't it, Dwayne, to have yeah, to have Aorua Beach stay in public hands. Uh, he's about Baptist pastor. Uh, Ruth Money is a victim's right advocate. A huge response regarding uh, car parks. Um, for example, one saying, that car park, seven stories, is nearly empty at 7 a.m. And, and 10. It is full at peak shopping times, but averages 65% full over the day. Waikiki Islanders, we use that downtown car park all the time. Leave it alone. That's you, Ruth, isn't it? That's exactly. Yeah. It wasn't right. me saying that comment. No, no. That, there's, a, there's more on Waikiki than just me and Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Yeah, and people yeah. are talking about that. Who knew? Who knew? Ha, the Frankie Goes to Hollywood guy on Waikiki. Wonderful. Um, now, there's lots of wonderful people on Waikiki. Yeah, right? name two others. Me? Yeah. And... <laughs> <laughs> and my girlfriend. Good on you. Let's go, <laughs> to, let's go to Taranaki now where workers at the $280 million Te Ara o Te Ata Mount Messenger Bypass Project have been enjoying free pies once a week for a year. Some loved it. Some said it was a shocker. Outraged by it. Pie Day Friday caused local beef with some locals saying absolute waste of money. Opponents say it could cost over half a million over the course of the project. Waka Kotahi says it'll cost 50k and that the morale boost is worth it. Well, one man was uncomfortable with the outrage and he personally offered to pay the cost for the pies for lunch for Pie Day Friday uh, next Friday, December the 1st. And that man is with us now, Mark Darrow. Welcome to the programme. 
Thanks, Horace. Nice to talk to you. It's a pleasure to have you on. So why are you coming down firmly on the side of the workers? Oh, look, it's, it's a project that, um, that was dear to my heart. I was on the NZTA board when we originally signed the project off, so I know it well. And the context is this is 55 kilometres northeast of New Plymouth, so it's in, out in the, in, um, in the country and it's in very challenging geography. And I just felt it incredible that people are begrudging that uh, once a month or so that these workers out there and working in all weather get a free lunch. And um, so we wanted to do something about it just to prove a point or to make a point. Did you did you get a sense of the mean spiritedness side of Kiwis coming out? Say, why the hell can't they get their own lunch when actually they're out in the wops, can't get anything? And actually, uh, unlike say like myself who sits at a desk all day, these people are working uh, pretty hard physically. From what I understand, it was a, a pretty small group of people who have been opposing the project from the start. So they were misrepresenting and almost weaponising this bit of information. But I just felt I felt uncomfortable for those workers that they were sort of being belittled and begrudged. So I just felt something very, very small to do to make a point was um, to shout them lunch. So I spoke with the mayor and spoke with Waka Kotahi, mm. went down to Andre's Pies and ordered some pies for the next week. So it's a very small gesture, but it was just really making a point that um, these workers mm. are valued and they are doing a great job. We should have start with Dwayne. Good on you, mate. I think it's awesome. We're talking about well-being all the time, and I think Friday Pie Day is an institution. Today I had from the Hoonhei Kiwi Bakery a steak and blue cheese, and I loved it, paid and it made it. me feel paid good. paid for it? I paid for it. I paid for it. My mates were talking about some stuff, a few ideas, and uh, it makes me feel good. And, uh, and I think, well done, those end-of-the-road type people um, getting out there doing the mahi. I think that's – get the treats. Good, good on you. And thank you for doing that. Yeah, Mark, I just want to say thank you for being a good human. They, you, you're right. Those people shouldn't have been weaponised. Um, and it's a pie. <laughs> yeah. What, Thank a, you, what a wonderful, uh, you, you're really feeling it, aren't you? What a wonderful way to end a week. You know, here's a businessman who doesn't have to do it, but out of his own pocket mm. is saying enough is enough. Stop weaponizing this information. And actually, there's nothing wrong with it. Um, tell me, as a businessman, how, how important is worker morale, Mark? Well, it's incredible. I, I work across a lot of businesses and um Health and well-being is incredibly important, particularly you know post-COVID. We've still got the remnants of that, um, and more than ever, people need to feel valued. And I just didn't like the way they're being treated. So um, uh, it's it's you know particularly if you're these these guys are working in incredibly challenging geographics, uh, uphills, in all weather, in pretty tricky machinery. Um, and I just felt bad for them. So just a bit small gesture. That's all it is. Well, to sum up, uh, one text has just come through one second to go. Good on that pie man. <laughs> you know pie your man. new name Mark, is the pie man. Mark, <laughs> that's the new name for you. Kia ora. It's nice to have you on the show. Great weekend. Ah, oh, that's Mark. No, there. Yep, uh, what a wonderful show you've, uh, we've had. Uh, thank you both. Uh, Jules uh, in Waikanae says, I'm a full-time musician. I tour Europe for four months every year and in more in that time than a whole year here. 
Why? Because Europe has an interest in the arts and New Zealand does not. That's the panel. A big thanks to Andrew Williams for producing the show. Thanks, Dwayne. Nice to have you back. It's great to be back. Same to you, Ruth. Kia ora to you both. And New Zealand, thanks for listening. I'm Wallace Chapman. See you Monday, 3.45. Lisa Owen and Chick Boys next. were singing bye-bye, Miss American Pie. Drove my Chevy to the levee, but the levee was dry. Them good old boys were drinking whiskey and rye, singing this will be the day that I die.